Welcome, everybody, to the CPP Group uh, podcast on EU-UK trade relations after uh, Brexit. Joining me are Deirdre Clune. You are Irish MEP and a member of the Internal Market and Consumer Protection Committee. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. And David McAllister, you are uh, MEP from Germany, a chair of the Parliament's uh, EU-UK Coordination Group, uh, as well as chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Welcome. Thank you. Now, we have voted in the parliament now by an overwhelming margin to approve uh, this, uh, this trade deal with the UK. Uh, it approved it um, at keeping the trade flowing um, barely a week before the deal was to expire, so it was just in time. But a, a parliament re resolution here says that the deal falls short by uh, failing to include foreign defense security policy um, there are calls for, from this resolution for vigilance to make sure that there is a level playing field uh, in trade. It regrets there's no fishing deal. There's also no financial services deal. And it worries about renewed tensions in Northern Ireland now that the border with the Republic uh, of Ireland is now the EU-UK borders, who have seen unrest uh, in the streets. An Irish cross-party group of political and religious leaders in Ireland say that recent unrest in Northern Ireland will not burn out over time. It still, it still could burn. So with these images in mind of burning cars, dear mm. Ray, um, what, tell us the situation on the ground uh, back at home. Well, in Northern Ireland, as you have said, there has been un unrest in the last few weeks. Um, but I would say like, all political parties and all institutions have called for calm and, you know, that it's not necessary. And if there is issues, you should engage with the structures that are there, whether right. policing or concern about not, not having access to the UK market, whatever the issues are, that there should be, um, there should be di dialogue, should be engaged. So the violence has been condemned. It's really, I mean, reporting, it's from, from younger people, like young, like 13, 14. Yeah. Uh, but the, the worrying thing is that police officers have been have been um, have been injured and have suffered. So nobody wants to right. see it. And I suppose it can, we're familiar with it, how it can spark very easily. What's what, what, what's the what's your feeling? Because I mean, you can't do anything about it, really, from your side. Um, you're looking across the border helplessly, aren't you? How are you and other Irish uh, people feeling? Well. Nobody wants to see. We see unrest coming, rising again in Northern Ireland. Yes. I mean, we've had peace on and off. There has been issues, but since the Good, peace, Friday, good Friday Agreement, agreement 1998, yeah. uh, a long time ago, and it has worked well. What it has done is it's helped people to get on with their lives, you know, yeah. living side by side. And there's, there is no border on the island of Ireland, north south. People can move, can move freely, can move up and down, mm -hmm. and do, do what I wanted to maintain that. So, for, you ask me what 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 do we see? What we see like there are north south institutions where you can engage. We believe, like it's it's the politics of Northern Ireland really has to work to make this happen. And, we got to see know, how we're that in, plays We're out, in a right? very difficult political situation again in yeah. Northern Ireland with Ireland Foster announcing her resignation. Who is going to replace her? Yeah. That leads to uncertainty. And the we had no assembly there for for three years. You know, no Northern Ireland assembly. Uh, it's back now, right. but very fragile, very very fragile. Yeah. And you know, if you don't have your institutions working, and how to, can you expect mm. then the people mm. on the ground to have confidence in in any negotiation? 
that's organized that's a region so, they're so beyond. those are circumstances beyond our control that's what happens then, internally in in, in, in the not, UK. not under COVID, but you know you're very much aware of it very much aware of it and I think even in the last number of weeks um, the if you look at the UK you the engagement between Mr. Sheshkovich, Commissioner, mm -hmm. and uh, the UK with, with Lord Frost now, David yeah. Frost. Uh, at the beginning, there was sort of megaphone, yeah. <laughs> what would you call it? Yeah, megaphone criticism. Megaphone, yeah. And, there, and there, he kind of, it started off on a bad footing, but it's now it's, 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 it's calm settled. Down. And, yeah. and one of the one of their discussion and what they're going to do, and they are doing, is engaging with civil society in Northern Ireland say, what are your problems? We, we know, what are the issues? How can we help you? Okay. How can we help you move forward within the structures of the protocol and now the TCA? OK, now this, this protocol, uh, David, uh, you've, you've said that the protocol, which, um, and, and, and with this trade agreement that essentially uh, it, it sets up the trade border uh, in the Irish Sea, right, between the UK uh, mainland and and the uh, and Northern Ireland, um, you said that the the protocol is not the problem, but the solution. Uh, it avoids that hard border that that we're that we're all worried about there between Northern Ireland and Ireland uh, uh, proper, the Republic of Ireland. But is that a long-term solution? Is that really the solution? There are three main principles we need to defend. First of all, as Deirdre was saying preserve peace and stability on the island of Ireland. Second one is to avoid a hard border yep. between Northern Ireland and the Republic and to keep the all-Ireland economy functional, but we also need to preserve the integrity of our EU single market. Mm -hmm. And for good reason, I said in the plenary, the protocol is not the problem, but the protocol is part of a solution to a problem, and the name of the problem is Brexit. Yeah. All these difficulties we are facing in Northern Ireland are a result not only of Brexit, but actually the kind of Brexit the UK government chose for itself. Mm. Because there would have been other options, for instance, the United Kingdom remaining in the single market, but that was not possible. So here we are now. The European Union has shown throughout the last few months a very pragmatic approach when it comes to facilitating everyday life in Northern Ireland. We are not dogmatic, we are not ideological, but we need to address all the matters around the situation in Northern Ireland in the Joint Committee. Mara Shevchevich and David Frost have to sit down and discuss these issues. But what we've seen is that the UK government is questioning certain details of the protocol, mm. and that is not okay because the protocol was painstakingly negotiated mm. by both sides. Okay, yeah. Mm. For example, I mean, and it's perhaps a question of trust too, trust between mm. the EU and the UK that has been uh, undermined uh, by the UK unilaterally extending the grace period on checks of UK goods uh, to Northern Ireland across that Irish Sea uh, mm. a border. Um, uh, so, how do we? How do we deal with that uh, in, in, in terms of dealing with the UK uh, when they seem to be postponing a, the observance of that protocol? What do you do? The protocol is an important part of the whole withdrawal agreement and both sides need to fulfil all obligations stemming from the withdrawal agreement. Mm. And here the UK is still lagging behind. In the end, trust and confidence, as you said, 
are so crucial, mm. especially at the beginning of this new developing partnership. And because trust and confidence is so important, we call on the British side to respect the obligations stemming from the protocol. Now, the EU is planning legal action over that issue, aren't they? What Unfortunately, do yes. And will it, will it, you think that could pressure the UK into... Well, moving? this is the only option we have. Yeah. Uh, if one side is violating obligations, if one side is about to violate international law again, to breach international law, then we have to start with the legal steps. I sincerely mm -hmm. hope that this will not have to be executed mm -hmm. because, as I said at the beginning, trust and confidence in establishing this new partnership is mm. of such great importance. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre, let, let, let's mm. talk about small businesses, about businesses, mm. about, about consumers. How does this all impact them? Well, um, at the in Northern Ireland, at the beginning, there was um, there was difficulties because I would say because they hadn't been they weren't prepared for it. Yeah, you know, mm. uh, and they weren't prepared for having to put to deal with this additional lot, custom. A lot of people were in denial, I think, right? Well, I, right up to the last. And when minute. I see the contrast of where I live in the south, and we had um, newspaper ads, appeals from government, small industry, small business, come to us. We can help you. Helplines from Revenue, helplines from HSE, helplines mm. from Department of Agriculture. They didn't have that. They weren't in it. They weren't prepared. So, but but uh, so I think you know we'll, they'll get there. I can see that um, it has calmed down a bit. There's discussions. You know, what is your, you need to register for revenue? Even though I know there are no there are no tariffs, but you still need to register. Mm. Customs point of view, you need to paperwork, 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 and you know we you hear criticism of paper. Oh, there's too much bureaucracy, you know. But that's the that's the reality of being mm. outside the single market, yeah. being outside a customs union. This is the reality for businesses on the ground. But I would say a point that we probably had the biggest last is for, from the Northern Ireland point of view. Actually, the the deal when it's is it, very good for them because mm. they have access through the to the single to communicate with the, on the border of Ireland right, so right. they can trade there for freely as well as um, with the UK. So they have a, a, mm. they have a unique situation. Six counties, a population of over a million people, but they have a unique situation. Mm. And if the, they would um, realise, and I think they do on the grounds, maybe the politicians don't to convey that message, uh -huh. but there is a reality on the ground that okay. um, things things will work out. But uh, then you're going to, you hear the rhetoric, you know, let's abandon the protocol. We have to abandon the protocol, mm. get rid of the protocol. Mm. Uh, that's not going to happen because we've, the TCA, the agreement is, is agreed now. Yeah, the withdrawal it, agreement is part of it. It's all it's agreed. all part of it. The U, British it, government has signed up yeah. to it. Otherwise, the, the deal Union doesn't has. stick. So right? you have to make the deal work. Yeah. And uh, you have to sit down on the table and make it work. Admit and understand that mm. there are real problems for small businesses who've been who've been trading for years and years. Mm. You know, twenty, thirty, forty years <laughs> yeah. with the same suppliers or the same are supplying the same businesses in the UK or, or Northern Ireland, vice versa. The, you know, the food products come in on a deal. There's so many crossings on that mm. Irish Sea. And I, and, as a and I, as a European consumer, what's the impact on me? Well, if you're trading with as a consumer, if you're buying from from the UK, um, you know you've you may have customs charges mm -hmm. depending on country of origin. If right. that product came from another area outside the European Union, you have to pay custom charges. We actually found it, and I found, <laughs> in fact, you know, we found it, it, it was an issue in the south of Ireland as well because used to buying. If you're buying online, if you're dealing, you know, a lot of our products would have come from the UK. Big big 
bigger bigger market, you know, um, so there'd have been a lot of uh, cross-border shopping, on, online shopping, like that, cons- that European consumers have protection. Yeah. Uh, and now suddenly they find they don't have those protection rights, so you may not have the re- option to return, uh, right. depending on the, con- the, pro- uh, the supplier you're buying from. Yeah. You will most definitely be paying additional customs duties if that product is, isn't sourced in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And that came up a lot buying clothes or trainers. So there <laughs> a lot. Will be... it's, it's quite amazing, actually, the amount of, when you see it and you see the, mm. what's involved in terms of um, buying from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, so, so, what I so see you're now watching from, that on the consumer uh, I can see it, yeah. I, right? I, yeah I'm watch, we're watching that, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's it. It's, it's, an, it's, a, so it's, it's a country outside the customs union. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. So, so you get used to it. There'd probably mm. be additional costs. Or people will change their habits. You know, I find more and more stuff is coming from Netherlands rather yeah. than hmm. uh, because it's big, obviously they're well geared up to supply and have the hmm. infrastructure there. So, you know, I think consumers will adapt, but they, they really I think what's, what's the most important thing is they do not have the same consumer protection right. rights that they do have um, as European, if they're buying or selling in, in the European Union. David, what about the, and you touched on this, is that there is a... Uh, a, a, a a committee that is watching this, that is going to be monitoring it, carrying it out. Um, the uh, EU-UK Joint Partnership Council, mm. it's called, right? Um, there are also trade partnership committees, more than a dozen of them. I looked at the list. Um, but what about European Parliament involvement? I mean, to what extent? You don't, you have advisory power, but not real power. How do you feel about that? How, what role would the European Parliament play in this? First of all, the European Parliament was satisfied that both sides agreed to have an overarching uh, governance structure. Um, Of course, we will have to see how this works in practice. Um, Mm. I don't think you can complain that there are not enough committees dealing with all these uh, (laughs) issues related around the new EU-UK partnership, but we have the Joint Partnership Council and then we have all the specialised committees. Now, what is the role of the European Parliament? twofold. The one thing is the withdrawal agreement and also now the new trade and cooperation agreement, the scrutiny needs to take place as regards the implementation. We were in in negotiations with Mara Shevchevic, Bernd Langer, the Trade Committee Chair, and I, uh, and we got firm commitments from the Commission in writing, and also Ursula von der Leyen mentioned this in the plenary debate, that before and after meetings of specialised committees, commission representatives will brief and debrief MEPs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whenever any major change is about to occur, Parliament will be informed at an early stage, and the Commission has also promised to take the expertise of MEPs also on board. We all know that this agreement is a living agreement. Mm-hmm. It will adapt over the yeah. years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Prime Minister might say that Brexit is done, but the consequences of Brexit will keep us busy for years, I would even say for decades. Yeah. And another final point, mm-hmm. we will set up, hopefully sooner than later, a joint parliamentary assembly 
with the EU mm. Parliament on the one hand and the two British parliaments on the other hand. Uh, we're in the moment starting to discuss for details what format this could be, what size this could be. So that's going to happen then. That was envisioned, but it's going to happen. Then. President Sassoli and the speakers of both British uh, parliaments have agreed in principle that we will have this. And we have a long expertise. Mm. We have mm. a, a, a big expertise in the European Parliament how to deal with these joint parliamentary associations and assemblies. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. uh, um, what, uh, what about um, the, uh, the obstacles for business on both sides? I mean, um, w there are some parts of this uh, agreement that are, uh, there are some parts of the economy that are not addressed yet on fishing, on financial services. Um, where do you see some agreement there? We're not well, there yet. Financial services isn't agreed. There is some agreement in fishing and that, you know, when the UK were originally like, our water, yeah, our UK it's a, water's in, but now there's a, it's a temporary agreement. Same with financial services, for, like yeah. ad hoc at the moment. It's not, there's not anything well, systematic. That's, yeah, that's the nature. The deal went down to the, you know, it's just a bare bones agreement, yeah. I would say. And mm -hmm. there are lots of areas there. So, I mean, I, even, and you mentioned fishing. Um, and I see, was even reading recently, or just, you read so much about these issues now, like the French aren't happy that their boats aren't that they're due for license, yep. uh, and they've only got is it belongs to Mer, uh, twelve licenses of one hundred and twenty boats, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and so they can't fish within the twelve, not uh, six to twelve nautical miles of the UK zones, UK coast. So that's and then so on the other side, then you have the French um, European minister threatening, well, we'll we won't be. We won't, you know, issue financial regulations. We won't deal with that when that comes. So we block it. So right. we need to. I mean, there are difficulties like fishing. Mm. Fishing is a, is a huge, has had a huge, is going to have a huge impact because mm -hmm. traditionally, you know, what French, Irish, Dutch, and German, actually Irish and German, are most affected by the deal. And it's and it's a temporary arrangement too. It's a temporary arrangement. Right. So yeah, what happens after no, that? I mean, is, but is I mean, it, the thing is, in the fishing. Then you have to say, I mean, the British fishermen aren't happy either. They're very, very no. unhappy because of their lack of access, they have difficulties in getting access mm -hmm. to the single market. So you know, and and this was all part of the deal, you, or part of the negotiations. Unfortunately, we don't have a long-term deal there. But you know, okay, you can fish all you like, take fish from your waters, but if you need to export processed products or products, fishing products, seafood that has been finished to the European market, mm -hmm. um, well, then there's a, there's a story there that we Indeed. need to talk about. Indeed. Um, I, the time is flying. I want to cover a, a few more aspects. One on expats. We got about, what, uh, four and a half million people mm. uh, living either on one place or the other, uh, one side or the other of the, of the channel. And, and there, is a, there is an agreement on that. To deal with that, uh, to try to give them a bit of uh, predictability in their lives, how is that playing out? How is that going to play out? Is that uh, is that going to be an issue in the future, or do we we have some we have an agreement, and you think that will stick? The latest figures I read are that there are about five million mm. citizens of the EU twenty seven countries living in the United Kingdom. Five million. So you have more EU citizens ah. living in the UK than in some member states of mm. the European Union. Yeah. And right from the beginning, for us in the European Parliament, two points were absolutely crucially important. Citizens and businesses. Right. So we've discussed the situation of businesses. On citizens, we managed to agree with the British that until the deadline, all EU citizens living in the UK and the about one million UK citizens living in the EU27 mm -hmm. have their status quo guaranteed. They can stay. 
that was a big success. Yeah. For everyone who will now move to the United Kingdom, things might be different. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is a result of the UK becoming a third country. Yeah. Um, mm. I personally would have liked to have seen the status of EU citizens and UK citizens being guaranteed for longer, but the British right. government was not ready and to do so. Mm -hmm. Deirdre, how's, how's that affecting uh, Irish citizens in the Republic of Ireland? How's well, it, how is it affecting um, them? It won't affect I'm sure them a lot because of we have an agreement with we have a, our um, common citizenship uh, with, the U, U, with the UK. It's been in place since before, way before we both joined the European Union. Okay. So now we have a common citizen. So any Irish citizen or UK can travel and move freely. Uh, move, live, work, establish yourself, whatever. There is, there is no... Um, so there, 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 there are no boundaries there. So it's, it's a unique situation from an Irish point of view. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. But, just, but for the others, for the rest of the European Union. Oh, for the rest of the European Union, yeah, I mean, it's, there is no certainty. But then I can, see, I can see even reading, reading and talking to people working in industry, like they're facing a huge shortage in talent and expertise and skills that, that was yep. coming from Europe for them. Whether mm. uh, in the hospitality sector, the tech sector, uh, financial sector, and. That that's going to be a problem. So who's yep. going to go apply for a job or, you know, it would have maybe been attractive before to move mm -hmm. from, I don't know, Netherlands, Spain, uh, France to UK? Now I, you have no guarantees. I, I'm sure it goes the other way, too. Mm -hmm. There's there's expertise that, that the EU could use from, from the UK side as well, right? Also in, the, mm -hmm. in terms of research and development, right? I passionately argued in favour of the Trade and Cooperation Agreement. I also voted mm -hmm. in favour of the TCA. Why? Because our future partnership has now a solid legal basis. Mm. But of course, there are shortcomings. Yeah. There are certain elements which are simply missing. This agreement is not completely exhaustive. Yeah. No foreign affairs, security and defence related issues. Yeah. Um, other issues which will be solved at a later stage, for instance, fisheries. We have this five and a half year transition period. But after that, we will have annual negotiations with the Brits about access to their territorial waters. But one point I also really criticise is that the UK government has decided to leave the Erasmus Plus programme. Yeah. That is very, very regrettable. Now, the Irish government has found a pragmatic solution for Northern Erasmus Ireland. Plus students in Northern Ireland, uh -huh. but I feel so sorry for those young people in Scotland, Wales and England Indeed. who will now have more difficulty spending one year in the EU, mm. but on the other hand, also so many young Germans, Spaniards, yeah. Bulgarians will have it more, find it more difficult now and also more expensive to spend a year at a British university. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, yeah. yes, do you really no, want that to is add the reality. Yeah. You know, that is the reality, yeah. and it's, again, or maybe one of our opening points, it's back to being a third country. Yeah. And that's, that is, it's, it's a, and, and for people who have grown up in the European Union, these are young people, they've, they've known nothing but the freedom that it allows them to move within the Union, and now suddenly they have this... Yeah. Stark. And for, for, youth, outside, for youth, for, it's for a, the youth, it's a, it's, it's, it's a big question, and mm. you know, I don't think people actually realised the implications. But that's what the people yeah. voted for. If that's you look true. at the resolution the European Parliament adopted, the accompanying resolution, it indicates that many, many issues still need to be solved, mm. and that's why parliamentary involvement and parliamentary scrutiny will be so important mm -hmm. over the next years. And that can help perhaps facilitate future agreements on fishing, on financial services, on. Uh, educational exchange, things like that, right? Sure, and it will. We will stick as an EPP to our position. It's citizens and businesses, 
these are our interests and we will protect the interests of the European yeah. Union. Right. So you have to you have to protect the and that's the single market it has to be protected because indeed because that's what businesses depend on okay uh, there's I wanted to ask one other thing uh, uh, from you david uh, knowing that you're from a uh, german scottish family and um, if scotland opts to go its own way and rejoin the eu how possible is that will they is could scotland uh, easily rejoin the eu I think every politician outside the United Kingdom, including Germany, even if a German politician has Scottish roots and a background, should keep away from this issue. Yep. This is domestic Scottish politics. Yep. We will now wait and see what happens on the 6th of May at the yes. Scottish regional elections. Right. If, and the polls are indicating this, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP get a majority again, of course, she will then go to Boris Johnson and say, I campaigned on the promise of having another second independence referendum in Scotland. But whether this referendum will happen or not, mm. and if yes, when and how... And which way it'll go, because the, the population is deeply divided. That is domestic Scottish-British politics. Life's too short to get dragged into this. Yes. Mm. Well, very wise, very wise. <laughs> Deirdre, any final thought before we wrap this up? Uh, no, other than to say, I suppose this week was a significant, significant in that the European Parliament did ratify the Trade and Cooperation Agreement. And um, I'm afraid that's it. It's a matter for individual countries now, and for the government, the, United, the UK government and the Irish government, I see as well, to, to help people. To, right. to help people with it, to, because it is difficult for people. Recognise that businesses have been trading for over 40 years with the UK, or, or, and, and you know, they've built up those relationships. It's very hard to change, but um, we will get the change. I'm, I'm confident that people, people will, businesses adapt, consumers are adapting, and um, but it'll mm. take time, and it needs the support for, of their of their governments rather than rhetoric, really. Indeed, the UK is yeah. a third country, mm. but it will never be any kind of third country for us. No. Yeah. Yeah. The Still UK different. is an important neighbour, mm. an important trading partner, and also an ally of EU member states and international organisations, including the United Nations, the Council of Europe, the OSCE, just to name a few. Yeah. So the Brits have left the European Union, the single market and the customs union, but they haven't left Europe. And we let's try and make the best out of this situation. We all didn't want Brexit. We deeply regret what happened. But let's try and make this partnership work. But yeah. the UK side needs to deliver. Right, mm. right. Good. I agree with that. OK. Deirdre, David, thank you so much. Thanks for all of you for watching and joining. And I hope you can tweet on uh, what uh, you've heard from this conversation. And so thanks for joining us uh, on this EPP Group podcast on EU-UK uh, post-Brexit relations, and we'll see you next time.